to Bleacher Brawls. I am Luke. With the regular midweek crew is here. I'm here with Derek and Mike. We are going to talk about some different, some very different vibes with these two teams uh, in really completely opposite directions. And so a couple of us are not too thrilled. One of us is getting more excited by the day, I'm sure. So uh, we are going to we, – we do have some news to talk about, which is good. There are things happening, not necessarily good things, but uh, just having things to talk about, uh, events, current events happening is uh, good for us, uh, for uh, for what we do here. So uh, let's uh, get started with our first pitches. Uh, Mike, how's everything going with you? Uh, doing well, doing well. Uh, I think you nailed it on the head. Vibes are immaculate. Uh, first couple days out of Yankee camp, um, seeing a lot of smiles, a lot of, a lot of camaraderie. So other than that, it's been good. I didn't get to see you guys last week, had, uh, some Valentine's day to get to, but, um, on the bright news, I, I won uh, boyfriend of the year, uh, got my vegan girlfriend. My girlfriend's vegan because she is a animal lover. Like she just doesn't agree with what they do. Um, so I bought her goat yoga, which if you were like me a month ago, that was the first time I heard that. But essentially you just do yoga while goats, baby goats climb on you. So for an animal lover, like my girlfriend, uh, I think I nailed it on the head. So very Midwestern thing to talk about, but here we are. Did you, did you cook them and eat them immediately after? Uh, I'm not going to tell her the final part of it, but no, (laughs) no, they, they give you, they give you a nice beer afterwards. It sounds dangerous. I feel like goats, goats nip. Do goats nip? I feel like goats nip. We are going to find out. I've, I've unfortunately never been on a farm, but they're baby goats. So hopefully if it is a nip, it's a little, it's a little nibble. Oh, okay. So it hasn't happened yet. You got it. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a couple weeks out. So uh, to be determined, I'll let you know if I come back with a bite mark. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it seems like just the most random combination of two things that you would do together. So that's cool. I, I'm sure, I'm sure she's going to love it. Well, I'm sure she already did. She already told you that she loved it. So good call. Very good call there. I am going to do my, my first pitch next. Derek's going to wait, have to wait on his because I'm going to need a couple minutes to cool down after I give mine. Because if anybody listen, I don't know if either of you guys listen to that farce that is a weekend show uh, this this week. Uh, but listening to that show, just the beginning, really, just the beginning of that weekend show brought me back to watching, watching um, TBS, World Championship Wrestling on the Superstation, TBS at 6.05. Saturday nights and Sunday nights, uh, because look, the staple when I was a very young lad, um, the the staple of World Championship Wrestling was the Four Horsemen. Uh, they were the biggest, the biggest bad guy faction probably ever on national TV at that time, other than maybe the Heenan family. What they used to do, what made them so hateable, what made them great, that people just love to hate them, they would get their tails whipped every single week. Like every single week, they would always get whooped. They would lose, but then they would come back the next week and they'd all be like congratulating each other. Like, yeah, woo-hoo, like and, and acting like they won. They'd say, yeah, we beat them last week. No, you didn't. We were watching. You didn't beat anybody. You lost. So I was getting very big four horsemen vibes uh, listening to that weekend show. 
uh, Pat and Joey at the beginning just congratu- congratulating each other like they won the Red Sox offseason brawl that took place a couple weeks ago. Say, like, oh, we did so well. We whooped Luke so badly. And it was complete with John playing John John Dillon, the manager of the horsemen, was JJ named JJ Dillon. John John Dillon started it all, congratulated them right at the I don't even know if anybody said welcome to Bleacher Brawls. John just said right away, Oh, great job on whooping Luke Luke a couple weeks ago. So like they like uh, Pat and Joey had just won the tag team titles from me. Um, the truth is, if you haven't listened, if you're listening to this and you didn't listen to the brawl from a couple weeks ago, the Red Sox offseason brawl, please listen to it so you can hear me make Pat pass out in the Scorpion Deathlock and then make Joey scream like a girl in the Human Torture Act because that's what really happened. Um, and yet they parade in front of the people listening. Uh, this week on the weekend show in their flashy suits, just like Ric Flair and Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard used to do uh, back in the old days. Um, it doesn't bother me as much with Pat because he's he's pretty much tuckered out over the whole thing. The Reds, he's given up on the Red Sox. He knows it's he, he doesn't expect them to do to compete at all until t- 2027. And he's got his Orioles this year and next year uh, to to cheer for and to follow. So he's okay. Joey, it's it's Joey's grifting tactics that really have me steamed. Um, it's his strategy is just so hateable. It's his his strategy of filibustering. I mean, born politician, he's gonna really go far in the world of politics. Just talking, 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 and then let me ask you this, Luke, and then asking me sixty three consecutive rhetorical questions. And then just talking for 10 more minutes and not letting me respond to any of them. And then when it, and then I try, do my best to try and respond to them. But then when it gets back to him, he says, huh, Luke, I noticed you didn't answer, you didn't answer questions 13 through 24. Uh, why is that? What What are you afraid of? What, what are you, what are you, what are you hiding? Uh, so um, I just, uh, it's impossible to answer all of the questions. You lose track eventually. But he, he, he knew exactly what he was doing. Um, but the ultimate eye poke slash low blow slash pulling the tights and using the ropes for leverage was, I forgot to mention this last time uh, we were on here, is that he, he pivoted from asking me rhetorical questions that I didn't get a chance to ask. And then he started asking Pat rhetorical questions about my argument. Uh, and he, 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 was, he gave Pat plenty of time to answer. But... He, the way he framed him, this one instance in particular, Pat, tell, so this whole brawl, this double brawl started over me wanting to trade Roman, An- wanting the Red Sox to offer Roman Anthony and several other Red Sox assets in a trade for George Kirby from the Mariners. So what Pat, uh, what Joey does is, Pat, would, would the Mariners ever give George Kirby to the Red Sox for Roman Anthony? And Pat goes, No. As if that was the argument, as if I had said from the beginning, straight up, tra- like like you see on social media now, J- George Kirby for Roman Anthony, who says no, as if that was the whole the whole deal from the beginning. So uh, it was disingenuous. It was a blatant lie. It was a blatant distortion of my of my arguments and my numerous statements to the fact. So um, 
Joey, you painted yourself into a corner there because that was a complete falsehood. And I think, and my lawyer agrees with me, that you may be on the hook for libel claims and libel damages. So don't be surprised if you get, if you have a uh, lawsuit, if you get served with a lawsuit for $83 million or maybe even $356 million, like someone that you are enamored with in the political world. Don't be surprised if you find one of those on on your doorstep uh, in the near future. Mess with the bull, young man, you'll get the horns. So anyway, Derek, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing all right. Obviously, we did not have time to record last week due to Valentine's Day, which is fine, although I'm single, so I definitely had time to record. But I, I did enjoy my day. Don't have to worry. Everyone makes Valentine's Day a big deal. I'm like, why is it a big deal? Why can't we just like if you're, I, my thing is like, what? What's the big deal about one day? Why can't every day be special? But that's besides the point, you know. Regardless, um, my roommate last week, uh, Thursday actually, uh, tested positive for COVID, so I am at my uncle's house, uh, as I was. <laughs> I don't know if that's funny. I don't think it's well, funny. That's, but that's rude. I apologize for our yeah. studio audience. That that's no reason to laugh. <laughs> But, uh, no, but so I'm at my uncle's house. Um, they're actually off my uncle and his partner. They're off on a cruise. So they have two cars. They've left me one because they don't, didn't need to take two. They're on, you know, so I have a car. I can drive to school and whatnot, thankfully. So I can still get to my classes and whatnot, but I'm, uh, basically house sitting while going to school for this week. It's not bad because I get an actual bed to sleep in, not my dorm bed, but it's good. The thing I did really want to touch on is, the Montreal Expos, uh, when they left and ended up going to Washington, uh, because Netflix is going to be doing a documentary on them and the process of them ending up, ending up leaving uh, Montreal, which I think is going to be interesting. It's That's, what, 20 years ago it happened. So uh, Netflix is really starting to get into baseball and, ML- and Major League Baseball as a whole. And I think it's only good for I, – we talked, I talked about this when the Red Sox happened, but in case you didn't hear that – you know, I think the Netflix getting involved, I think it's just good for baseball as a whole. So the more of these that come out, like it's great. And I'm going to watch it. I'm totally watching it. Heck, they can make one on the Yankees and the way too many championships they won in the 1920s. I'm still going to watch it. I'm a baseball nerd. I'm watching it. Like, and that's not a shot of the Yankees. It's just because I don't actually remember. I don't know how many, what they won in 1920. So I don't want to throw out a number and be wrong. Um, but so it's like that thing of like, I'm, I'm watching it, but also, too, you can also maybe bring a new audience to the game, too. And I think that's really good just for the game of baseball and Major League Baseball as a whole. So I don't know what there are more of now, podcasts or documentaries, because Netflix is has, I feel like, thousands of documentaries out now and hundreds more come out every single week. Uh, I, I, I would definitely be interested in that expo. I mean, I, I certainly would watch it. Uh, the only documentary that I didn't watch baseball related that I can think of, at least that I knew about was the Jeter one, the captain one. Cause I just, I just was, it wasn't even like, Oh, I don't want to see footage of the Yankees winning. It was just like the way people genuflect towards Derek Jeter is just, I, I couldn't take, I couldn't take it. I don't know how long, I, I don't know if it was just a movie, a feature length, or if it was several episodes or what, like whatever that running time was. It was, was like I the last have... dance. It was like a 10 episode. Thing. Oh, even worse. Like yeah. So like 10 dance. hours. 
Yeah, that was not that was not going to happen. Probably the best documentary of the century, but go on. <laughs> I don't know about well, that. Not even being biased. I don't know about that. It was good, though. I did watch it. It was, it was good, but yeah. There was there a was, lot of uh, Jeter's the greatest, and there, there was a little bit of Of that. course. <laughs> there, there was one part that I watched over and over and over again. Uh, the part that every Red Sox fan, the part talking about how after 2004, he was sick to his stomach, had to get out of uh, Boston. And Jorge Posada just said, I just replayed that that stolen base over and over again. I checked my pop time. It's like, oh, give me more of this. Like, inject this into my veins, please. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that Expos documentary. Um, all right, so let's get started with the... What, what's that, Derek? What do you need? Um, I do also want to add, um, ESPN, if you do, are looking for a sports documentary, I'm going to shout this out because I love this documentary. ESPN did a documentary on on the U.S. Uh, the 1980 U.S. Olympic game win, medal, gold medal game win against the Soviet Union, but they did it on the perspective of the Soviet Union team, and I think that's a really really good documentary. Um, it's of Miracles and Men on ESPN. I think it's on ESPN Plus. Great, and it gives like a totally different perspective, which I love getting like a different perspective of things. So, I thought they were all put to death immediately after they lost. That's no, not what happened. They weren't. No, that's not what happened. Just their families. I th- <laughs> <laughs> Extended families, cousins, yeah. pets, everything. I thought that's what happened to Ivan Drago, too, after he lost to Rocky. But then he, w- he was back with his son decades later, uh, and he lost, too. So let's let's get down to the business. The uh, unfortunately, the majority of the show is going to be Red Sox dominated, I think. And I say unfortunately because it's all bad stuff. Uh, the Red Sox locker room is disgruntled at the lack of action they've seen from this team, from the Fenway Sports Group, uh, for building towards the two, building for two thousand twenty four, and they are just lining up. Players are just lining up to take shots at the front office and ask, what what the hell are you people doing? Uh, from Kyle Van Noy, former Patriots star, asking, can someone please tell me what the Red Sox are doing? Uh, to Kenley Jansen, who thought they'd compete, who signed a two-year deal, started last year, thought they'd compete in year one and then really go all out to win in year two. So he's frustrated because he'd like a real ring in his career. And he's 36 years old now. I think he only has the one fake ring from 2020. Uh, Chris Martin hasn't said anything publicly of note, but he can't be happy. We heard rumblings about the issues he had with the direction of the team last year after the trade deadline. Um, and it's not just, uh, it's not just uh, current players either. Dustin Pedroia, apparently the Red Sox reached out to Dustin Pedroia about something. Like, can you, Hey, can you guys, can you, are you going to come down to um, camp this year and work with the young kids? And he declined and then apparently put them on blast in what I have to imagine is some of the most colorful language ever known Pedroia. Uh, and David Ortiz was asked about that. He said, the truth always hurts. But I mean, what we're really here to talk about is the, the, the franchise player, Rafael Devers, uh, really, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you could say laying into the team, but for him and for a, a star who just signed for 
just signed for big money last year. He's there for the next 10 years. Uh, just, you know, really, really took some shots at the, at the team. Um, I'm going to quote, I'm going to tell some of the quotes now before I hand it off to Derek. Uh, quote, we know that last year we needed a lot of things this year as well. All teams need something, but if the organization sees what we need and doesn't look for it, then he kind of trailed off, I guess. I'm going to try to give my 100% every time I'm on the field. What they do in the office is on them, but they have to make an adjustment this year because the same thing cannot happen to us every year. Everyone plays to win, and we are in a good position. They have to help us players. And I'm not saying that the team is not good, but we have to be aware of what we need. Um, So, And then he went on to say, quote, my point of view is they're thinking more in the future. Last year when we had an opportunity to do something and to be in the race, nothing happened. I thought back then that, of course, they were thinking in the future. Uh, when those opportunities come along, we need to be more aggressive and try to embrace those opportunities. And the, the last one, just really quick, everyone knows what we need. We know what we need. The front office knows what we need. The fans know what we need, which is starting pitching. So I personally applaud Devers for saying this. The translator may have... I feel like the translator... He spoke with a translator because he didn't want to be misunderstood. I feel like the translator softened it a little bit, kind of added in that. I'm not saying we're in a really bad spot right now, but but I, I could be wrong about that part. But he was saying pretty diplomatically, what the hell are we doing here? It's not always about the future. Derek, uh what are what are your thoughts on uh first of all do you agree with devers not only devers's comments but the fact that he came out and said them publicly i think that like it's i'm okay with them saying it publicly because he didn't like totally trash the team like he like he he fired i shouldn't say he didn't trash the team at all like he did fire some shots a little bit but like it was nothing like that we haven't seen from other people before with other teams. I don't think it's going to be a problem. And I think I think maybe it'll be a little bit of a wake-up call between Pedroia and Rafi. And, you know, maybe it'll be a wake-up call for ownership. Maybe. I doubt it will be, but, you know, you never know. Uh, maybe, maybe, right? Uh, I, th- I think it's – and I think it's okay. I think, you know, if, if Rafi's being honest, which it seems like he is, I think honesty is, like, the best way to go by. And, like, if he's being honest, like, so be it. Like Kenley's been being honest with what he's been saying and whatnot. So it's like, yeah, be honest. Like if yeah, Kenley thought he was gonna come here, they're gonna try and win 24, 23 and be really and they're gonna go really gonna go for it in twenty four. They haven't, right? Be on Ken, Ken you're go be honest, right? You you, you thought he thought he was gonna come here because he thought they were gonna try and win. And they haven't done it to that standard that Kenley Jansen has in terms of winning, because Kenley, especially Kenley, has a pedigree with the Dodgers and then going to the Braves. The Red, these Red, the Red Sox team last year might might be like the worst team Kenley Jansen's ever been on, which is crazy considering. Yes, they were a last place team, but like they were like a middle of the pack team, like around they won seventy eight games or not too far, like around five hundred basically, and that's probably the worst team that he's ever played on in his career. So, like I think so for Kenley, yeah, be honest. I'd rather the players be honest about this and say like if they are willing to share, I'd rather them be honest and make up some you know, BS and we're going to go and be full throttle because obviously when oh, full throttle, obviously didn't happen. So like, what's the point? Like I'd rather them just be honest and be kind of upfront about it. If they are going to share. So you don't think that 
they should all be adapting, uh, towing the company company line and saying, well, you know, this is what they something like along the lines of, well, this is what they want to do. So they're they're planned for the future. And it's my job to just go out there and give it my all. Well, Kenley added something kind of along those lines in some sense of like, you know, it wasn't what I expected, but I'm still going to gonna go out there and whatnot and do my best and yada, yada, yada. Like Kenley did kind of add that um, to his quote. Um, and when Devers was through a translator, so like it's I don't speak Spanish. Someone who speaks Spanish probably know I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know what Devers said. I only know what the translator said he said. I would assume the translator's telling the truth, but... But that Who knows? It was that quote that you read that was from the translator. Exactly, that's what I'm saying though, right? You know, and that's the thing. It's what well, Kenley was in English, so like we do know, you know, that like I said with Kenley, like he did kind of add in a little bit of like, you know, it's not what I expected, but I'm still going to show up kind of every day and something like along those lines and whatnot. So right, I think so you don't have a problem with you don't think they should all just be in lockstep with ownership and regardless of what they're thinking, just be good soldiers and do what they're told. Well, especially when you're like kind of the veteran guy. Devers obviously kind of faced the franchise. Kenley's a veteran, been there, done it, right? If it was a rookie saying something, that's different, right? But when it's a guy who's established, like it's like especially like a Kenley Jansen, or even if it was a Chris Martin, or you know back when Chris Sale was with the team, was he is an established veteran, right? Guys who are established, even if it was Trevor Story, although he's not as established with the Red Sox, so that maybe you probably wouldn't do it, but. Like I'd re- like the guys who are established in terms of you know been in the league, been there, done it, and guys like Devers who's you know faced the franchise. Story hasn't had a good year with the Red Sox, so maybe he wouldn't want to do it. But if Story has a great year, like I could see him being like one of those established guys that like may be a little bit more outspoken. Because I don't I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to have. It's just I'd re- like I said I'd rather the guys be honest and upfront than trying to lie or go around and don't answer. Like if you're gonna answer the question, answer it truthfully. Well, it's, 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 I mean, it's kind of the, 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 the thing in sports is, you know, you give the Tom Brady answer, you know, you just do, you, you talk without saying anything. And that's, I think that's what's expected of athletes. It's not what reporters want from athletes, but that's kind of what fans expect, I think. And I think that's what the job, the job is supposed to, I think that's your job as a player usually now. I find this to be an exception, especially considering Devers' position. He's the he's the daddy now. It's his team, and when the I don't I disagree with the idea of buying at the deadline last year. I don't think the team was ready for that. I don't think giving up assets for two months with a very imperfect team, the defensive issues, Duran's struggles, and then injury story. At the, at the deadline, you didn't know if he was going to come back at all, and it turned out he was ter- He ended up being terrible offensively. You didn't know Rafaela and Abreu. They hadn't made their debuts yet. I disagree with the idea of buying at the deadline last year, so I disagree with him having a problem with that. Obviously, I think this team is ready this year. I like this team now, and so I think they should have made the investment this year, and I strongly think that, and I'm really – really horrified at what's happening right now that it's just another year of the same. Uh, but uh, speaking to players talking, you know, quote unquote, out of turn, airing dirty laundry. I don't know if you call this dirty laundry, but doubting 
the put questioning uh, the motives and questioning the moves and strategy of ownership and the administration, the organization publicly like this, it's, you know, it is a big step. I'm glad he made it. Uh, but Mike, what do you think of that? Given the way the Yankees do business, what, what would you think about a player, whether they agreed with you or not, what do you think about players coming out and saying, look, they didn't do the right thing for us this year? Uh, well, <clears throat> speaking of Netflix documentaries, this one's going to be off to a hot start. First episode should be good if they start here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, honestly, I'm, and this is like, you know, Yankees fandom aside, because, you know, good for Devers. I mean, like, it seems like they were sold, you know, not to say like Devers is there for a long time. But Jansen, you know, he was told two years, we're going to compete. You're going to you're going to have a chance to get another ring. And, you know, he was not to say he was sold a lie, because I'm sure at the time they were planning. But things don't work out, different management. Um, I brought it a few weeks ago that, you know, the Sox kind of needed a leader and a voice. And I'm kind of like, you know, impressed that Devers did. I know we we thought that, you know, the the translator thing is not going to hit home and stuff like that and broken English. But I think when you're getting paid 300 plus million dollars, like, it's your now position to let the fans know like, Hey, like in the clubhouse, we don't all agree what's going on. Like we're obviously here to play and win. Um, but you know, I think in that interview, I don't know if you guys watched the whole thing. Um, one of the follow-up questions were, have, have you said this to management themselves? And he shook his head. Yeah. Like, so my thought is like from there is like, well, when did he say it? Cause if he says this like right after the end of the season last year, and then he goes through the whole off season and nothing happens, like that's a bigger problem in his head. So, I don't know. Um, all in all, I think this is going to be a good thing for Red Sox. Like, I remember last year, I was kind of in the same position. Like, the Yankees, are we just, after the end of the season, are we just going to stand still and bring back the same team? And then Aaron Judge come back and says, like, no, we're not going to stand still. I'll make sure of it. Like, we, we want more players. We're going to get better. We're going to do this. And then it happens. So, I'm, you know, as a Red Sox fan, I would be hoping that, like, you know, when your star player says something, the, you're now forcing ownership to listen because what star is going to want to come here if – you're to, if you're telling them one thing and then two years later it could change. So um, I think this is going to be a real sh- shakeup for him. I think, you know, I don't know if it'll be at the midterm this season or if it just means going to get one of these starting pitchers that's left, but I, I think it, it will be end up being a good thing. I think that's a very interesting part of it is that he's saying this as spring training is beginning, yet there are two – probably the third and fourth most highest profile starting pitchers on the market are still out there. And if and Fenway sports group still has the time to change course, say, all right, you want it, you got it and bring in Jordan Montgomery or bring in Blake Snell. Now that is not, I've been very vocal about that. I don't think that's the way to go. I don't think they, they they both have so many question marks as far as aces that you build a rotation around. I don't love the idea of giving either of them a long-term contract to anchor a rotation. However, what I wanted them to do, obviously, is to trade some of their minor league depth for a, a younger starting pitcher with years of control to be an ace. However... With all this that's happening, you've got upheaval in the clubhouse. You've you've had upheaval in the fan base for a few years now. I feel like, you know, your your star player is saying, help me. He 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 is going public and putting you on blast, more or less. 
saying you didn't do right by the team. I feel like if I'm John Henry, I feel like I have to do so. I have to look, these two pitchers are out there. They cost nothing but money. We can get them and keep all of our prospects at this point. Throw these players a bone because this is the same thing. Again, I said I didn't agree with uh, buying at the deadline last year, and I'm glad I was glad that they didn't because I think it would have been totally counterproductive. It wouldn't le- have led to a playoff run or anything. But at this point, it just it, but it was the same issue at the deadline. Is still starting pitching. They didn't have enough starting pitching, and now. Six months later, they still don't have any starting pitching. And it's the same issue. And it's not like you got to overhaul the whole staff. Get one. Get one established guy who may end up being a star. And Snell, Montgomery's still out there. Whatever they get ain't going to be what they wanted. Ain't going to be Boris's starting offer. So I don't know. I don't know how you resist the pressure to, uh, to do that. To, to just get one of these guys and just to satisfy your team. Derek, do you see any chance of John Henry finally just being like, you know what? All right. We committed to Rafi. He's here for 10 years. Let's throw him a bone. Here's Jordan Montgomery. Any chance of that whatsoever? That won't be why they would get Jordan Montgomery. They would get Jordan Montgomery because no one's paying that long-term deal. He opts for a short-term deal, and I think that's what the White Sox would be open to. They wouldn't. That's not throwing Rafi Bone. I think when you look at it and you look at kind of the, where the White Sox are, I think I don't. I don't love Montgomery on a long-term deal. If I'm going to be honest, like because he's especially too. If it's the Rodon deal, like no. And I, I've, I and my big thing I was looking to into last week, and I was like, like. Jordan Montgomery before this season would have been lucky if he got four years, eighty million. Would yep. have been lucky before the season. Now he wants six years, one hundred and sixty million. Like, like that's crazy, right? And even even before the postseason, you're thinking maybe five for a hundred, maybe right. Now, like I said, now it's six one six. I don't want to touch that, right? As much as Jordan Montgomery's kind of been a consistent, steady guy. He hasn't been that type of guy for very, for long at all that you're going to pay, give a contract that you gave a guy like a Carlos Rodon who, yes, has had injury problems, but was really good with the Giants for a full year, you know, ace caliber pitcher for that one year. Uh, and then was a solid, probably a number one, maybe border, maybe number two at worst in that last year with the White Sox. So I, I think it's a different situation in that sense in terms of like when you look at like contract for Montgomery – um, I don't think he has even as much reasoning to get that deal as Rodon did. And I and we see how the Rodon deals worked. I'm not saying to be scared of it because of how Rodon happened, but I don't think it makes sense for the Red Sox to do that. But like I said, if it ends up being a short-term deal, I would expect the Red Sox to maybe be in on it just because if they get them short-term, they don't have that long-term commitment that the Red Sox haven't been willing to do with the exception of Rafael Devers. You look at all their contracts they signed. Trevor Story, six-year deal, right? Like that, Boarts I think was like the longest that they've given out. Like besides Rafi was like recent, anytime recently, which was eight years. But that was even like probably below market value. Arguably, they haven't given out like these long term deals, especially to pitchers. After David Price, they haven't touched long term in terms of a guy who was outside the organization. Sale they gave five years, but he was also with the team. They outside yeah, of Price, PTSD they haven't gone from Price and Sale, which I have mentioned before. Uh, and let me amend what what you just said uh, earlier. You did kind did of we lose you? it a few minutes later, but 
you said before last season, Jordan Montgomery wouldn't have been, uh, wouldn't have, would have been lucky to get whatever you said, five years and 80 million, something like that. I would I, say, I said four for 80. Four for 80. Before August, I would say before August, he would have been lucky. Not before last year. He didn't dominate all year. He had two really good months when he, when he got traded to Texas. But another thing about this, what makes this such a mess for the Red Sox is that not only do you have this locker room upheaval, not only do you have clearly an imperfect roster that apparently the organization doesn't see competing for until 2026 or in Pat's eyes, 2027, they have, they're going into this with a lame duck manager that is now charged with managing a locker room full of players who feel not to be too dramatic, not to go all Joey on you, but they feel abandoned by their owners, at least some of them. And so that, that I mean, that's going to bring us to our next topic. The, uh, the, the, the big elephant in the room, the fact that Alex Cora is primed to get paid next year if the Red Sox don't extend him. If he hits the market, he is got Craig Council has zero World Series belts. I'm pretty sure he has uh, World Series belts, World Series rings under his belt. I'm pretty sure he hasn't made the NLCS in his career. Could be wrong about that. But he got five years and forty million dollars at some when the extension happened. I I said what what did I miss? When did Craig Council? all of a sudden become uh, Billy Martin, Earl Weaver, whoever. So Alex Cora has a ring. <laughs> and he's got a great reputation for being a really good manager off the field and on the field. His comp is going to be Craig Council's five-year, $40 million contract. And remember, he has GM aspirations in the future. He said, he, by his own words, he quote said, I don't want to manage forever. I feel like he won't be on board with a target of competition around 2026, 2027. If the Red Sox want to extend him, uh, FSG supposedly loves him, but if so, they need to extend him now for big money and make assurances to com that they're going to compete via trade or free agency. Uh, I, I see him as I say this, I've said this time and time again, I think he's the best Red Sox manager of all time. I feel like they absolutely can't let him go and that letting him go would mark a low point that this organization has not seen since uh, John Henry and Tom Warner's group bought purchased uh, the team. Derek, what what are your thoughts on Alex Cora? Is as Alex Cora gone after 2024? I would say it's up in the air. I think when you bring in a new head of baseball operations and you have a current manager manager still under contract and they stay with that guy, especially if that guy's on the last year of his deal, it definitely can make for some speculation. I definitely it will make for speculation. There already has been speculation, right? But at the same time, the Red Sox are very high on Alex Cora. Now, is Breslow high on Alex Cora? We don't know. That's something that's going to be figured out. But there are still a lot of people in this Red Sox front office that were just there, have been there the whole time Cora's been there. Look at like the assistant GMs. You look at 
Eddie Romero, Raquel Ferreira, et cetera, et cetera. I can go down the list. Like they've all been there the whole time. Core has been there as the manager. You look at you know Brian O'Halloran, who's now was, was the GM under Hein Bloom. Now he's taken more like a, of a uh, I think like a, some sort of a advisor advisory role of some sort. Um, I don't I don't think they ever said what the official position he has, but he was a guy who was there the whole time with the Red Sox organization the whole time. Core was the manager, right? So the Red Sox are high on Alex Cora, and Cora did enough to win over Heim Bloom to where Heim rehired him after for the Red Sox rehired him after 2020 because obviously Cora got suspended. So obviously Cora's well liked. He's already made it through one ex- head of head of baseball executive change. He very well could make it through a second one. But at the same time, I wouldn't say it's a lock at all that he returns. It very well could be that. You know, maybe some team offers him a boatload of money, like the Cubs did with Craig Council, and the Red Sox don't want to pay a manager eight, nine, ten million dollars. That's very well could happen, and and if that's the case, I mean, I kind of get it in some senses because like that's a lot of money just for a manager. But and I mean, there'd be they, the Red Sox would have a lot of interesting options in terms of who they could potentially have manage if Core were to leave. Uh, but at the same time. Like I said, I don't think it's a lock. I think it's more likely that he stays just because he still has a lot of like people in the organization that are believers in him. But I wouldn't say it's a lock at all. I'd probably get like a 60% that he stays as of right now. That's kind of how I feel. Um, but you never know. That's terrifying to me that it's down to 60 per- 60% that he stays. I, a lot of people think he's already gone. He's out the door. He's That he's like, look, I don't want it. By the time this team calls up the 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 golden boys and double that have had one good year in double a so far uh then the, i i'm gonna want to move on to being a, a gm you know i'm not i'm not here for this you know send me somewhere else uh, well, let me go somewhere else so that's terrifying to me i want i want core to be the manager for the next 10 years uh, uh mike what are your what are your thoughts on alex cora as a manager, uh, on the whole, just what do you, what do you think of him? What is your first instinct? Uh, what are your first thoughts of Alex Cora as a manager? Um, I'm I'm pretty biased. I mean, I I can separate the two, Yankee fandom and baseball fandom. But I think he's a good manager. I like if the Yankees had him, I'm sure I would like him ten times more. Right. Um. So I'm trying to keep my Yankee fandom out of it, but. Um, as far as this year, I think I think this season's gonna have a lot to do with it. I think, you know, like we've talked about, vibes right now aren't good. Like it's kind of like some, you know, walking on needles in that locker room. If they don't sign anyone before the season or don't get a pitcher, that's gonna and they start losing games. Like that locker room might be in trouble. And I'm not saying that it will be. I'm not expecting the Red Sox to have like the worst season of their history either. But you start losing games, you start being in last place, that media starts talking to you in those post-game press conferences, who's going to check out? Um, you know, the, Especially the players, those are guaranteed money. Whether you win or lose, you're getting paid. So it's going to become a lot easier if you're just losing games to just, you know what, I got to play baseball today, but I'm going to go back to my penthouse and, and relax and enjoy. I think, I think, you know, on the other side, if they don't sign anyone and they have a good season or just compete, how do you get rid of them? I mean, like, you know, we've all kind of agreed that this 
this rotation especially could be better. And if you go in with no, you know, their current rotation, I don't think anyone's posted last year uh, below a four point a four ERA. So like, if he can compete with that, and you know, still get this team to rally, I mean, like, who who are you gonna go get? Like, I don't know any managers waiting in the wing to go upgrade. And that's my biggest thing is like, you can't just get rid of the someone that you know knows baseball, well respected. Mostly all the players like him, as we can tell. I mean, who are you gonna replace that with? If if it's not a home run hit, then you can't you can't let him go. You can't let him walk. That's that's another thing. A, like a sixth of the teams in Major League Baseball changed managers uh, before before this season. Like who who's still who's still out there? I feel like everybody on the carousel has a has a uh, a horse to ride now, and that there's nobody unless you're going to bring back Jim Leland. <laughs> or, or somebody somebody from the last generation of managers then you really don't have there aren't too many options Derek you raised a finger you seem like you you have somebody in yeah. mind it was actually eight out of 30 uh, managers that that the new managerial hires this uh, offseason eight out of 30 that's more than a quarter that's yeah, a lot more than a quarter um, of the team's changed managers so they, yeah exactly I, I just I can't imagine who would, I mean, would it be. Would there it are be a lot the, of good bench coaches though around the league and whatnot that still haven't gotten a chance to manage. Right, so, that like, haven't gotten a chance to manage. So rookie yeah. manager guys like um, the Rays, uh, Ronnie Linares, who uh, managed a Dominican team in the WBC. Players love him. The Rays players love him. They would they vouch for him like crazy. That's a guy like like I'm interested in. And if like Cora leaves. I would love the White Sox to be like, yeah, let's go get this guy. Especially take one, you take him away from the Rays. Two, Devers has already vouched for him after the WBC. He gets along very well with international players. Even the non-international players still love him with the Rays. That's a guy who, you know, guys like Will Venable, who was with the White Sox recently, is a guy who is the Rangers, I think, like associate manager. Um, he hasn't gotten a chance to manage. That's a guy who's young too and very well could be a manager. And there's a bunch of them around the league too, you know, that very well are qualified to do it. This is I'm sick to my stomach thinking about this. Like we're we're talking about Alex Cora maybe gone after this year, and that the Red Sox would be looking at bench coaches around the league uh, for for his replacement. Uh, and and Red Sox fans, Red Sox fans around the would be like, it's Verit. You gotta get Veritek. You gotta give Jason Veritek a shot to be the man. Like why? Why? I don't think he wants to. I, I he honestly don't. Want I think to. he's. I think he's happy where he is. David Ross could be an option. I know, just the Cubs just you know got rid of him. He's not managing. Like that's another guy who's not managing right now. Who seemingly wasn't like a bad manager with the Cubs. They just like counsel so much that they were willing to just chuck him to the side. Um, and that's a guy obviously Red Sox ties too. Who was he? Wasn't around for that. Was that Joe Madden? He did he win that Cubs World Series? Was he the manager? Yeah, it was that Joe year? Madden. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. All right. Anyway, um, uh, from depression to excitement, uh, let's talk some Yankees. Uh, let's talk. I, I so wish the roles were reversed, but uh, Yankeeville is singing a very different tune right now than uh, Red Sox town. Um, they made the additions that they needed. Um, and they're the only, they're the only team that's been linked to Blake Snell really since free agency began, I feel like. So, uh, 
happy times in the Bronx. A lot of excitement in the Bronx. Uh, Juan Soto was uh, reveal videotaped uh, in in pinstripes. Uh, that was released today, or maybe it was yesterday. Uh, it's Yankee fans are they can't wait for opening day. Uh, hoping that Garrett Cole's Tommy John surgery doesn't happen this year. Not saying it will. I'm not saying it will. So, uh, but anyway, so things look great for the Yankees, and Aaron Judge is certainly not too shy to take credit for every bit of it, apparently. Uh, he's been talking to the media lately. Apparently, it was his idea to get Alex Verdugo. At least that's what he's saying. That He wanted Alex Verdugo for years, and I cannot imagine why, based on what I've seen from Alex Verdugo in the last few years. Some good, sure, but also a whole lot of bad, and much more bad recently than good. So, Michael, I, I got to get your thoughts on this. What do you think Aaron Judge saw so much in Alex Verdugo? Did, did he just need somebody in the clubhouse that's showing up to the ballpark later than him so he looks good by proxy? What is, what is, what is it that Aaron Judge uh, loves so much about Alex Verdugo, in your opinion? Uh, I honestly think he's just doing what captains do, you know? He's just hyping up the whole team. Whether it's true or not, I personally not ever seen Aaron Judge clamor for Alex Verdugo, at least publicly, but he very well could have, not publicly. So, um, but this is just what a good teammate does. I mean, you're the you're the voice of the team, right? You got a new guy coming in. I'm sure it's a little awkward being a Red Sox. I'm sure they've probably exchanged some, you know, some dirty looks to each other across the way every once in a while. So I think he's just trying to ease him, settle him in. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw Verdugo, but he's got enough chains on. He looks like he got paid already. He's got like 10 chains on, bigger than like my freaking fingers. He was wearing that many chains back when he was making, when he was a rookie, probably making the league minimum in LA. That's nothing new. (laughs) <laughs> that's true. That's got to be true. I think honestly, that wouldn't shock me. I think he I th- he didn't have as many back then because I do remember some watching some of his like rookie year games. But he definitely had like a couple for sure. And it was just like he was just like, yeah, I'm gonna I'll spend my money on chains. I'll worry about like getting a house later. Like who cares about a house? Give me some chains. I I think his first arbitration year was when he got the fronts, the grills. The, the, the yes, ice, yes, grill. it was. I like him even better now. I like I've not seen the grills, but I like him even better. He's gonna get along great in New York. Oh, yeah. um, I have not seen the grills, no, but I am sure I will here eventually. But um, now to close that out, I mean, he did mention like wanting competitive guys, and like looking back on it, I mean. Alex Verdugo, every time he played the Yankees, he always looked like he wanted to win for sure. I mean, so at least you can give him that. Like the dude, I'm sure like every other baseball player wants to win, but at least this guy has that competitive edge to him. You can tell when they lost, he didn't have a smile on his face. Um, That's what we want. It kind of, you know, that Bader attitude last year, like Harrison Bader wasn't the best player at all uh, by any means, but like you could just tell like dude hated losing and he was going to give his all to win. So if that's what we get for Verdugo, I'm happy with it. The, the 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 big thing the big concern I would have if I was a Yankee fan based on what I'd seen from Verdugo in Boston is that he gets Homer happy at times and when he is at his he's at his best when he's trying to line the ball over the shortstop's head 
but I just feel like he sees that short porch. He sees that upper deck and he's just going to be, th- yeah, that's me. That's me. That's my, that's Doogie land there, that, that upper deck area. So if he starts trying to hit home runs, then that's, I think that's when his, that's when his slumps usually happen. I remember one time in, I think 2022, he was slumping for a long time because that's what he does. And he hit a home run and the camera got him uh, as he was about to cross home plate and his teammates were there ready to greet him. He's like, that's right. I'm back, baby. I'm back. Cause he hadn't hit a home run in a long time. <laughs> what, what is he bat? What, what order did he bat last year? He was lead off most of the year. Really? He was lead off. That was the first year that he was the lead off guy. And he, he kicked ass until June or so. And then they had just, like three straight games with the leadoff homer. Yeah, yeah. He he was he was dropping bombs in April. Had a couple walk off home runs in April. Uh, he, and he he just, I, I think he gets in that he just thinks he's a power hitter sometimes. So I, that porch could be. He he needs guys like Aaron Judge to be like, look, just we got guys who can hit home runs. That's not what you're here for. That's I was about to say, he, he's on a team with a bunch of power here. I think he's going to learn his pecking order pretty quickly, but we'll see. Yeah, that's that's I don't, that's one thing I I don't know if he can say about Verdugo is that he knows his role. But regardless, um, what, what about um, Blake Snell? So he says another thing Aaron Judge said was that he thinks another big move may be coming. Do you think that that big move could be Blake Snell? I, I hope so. I mean, I mean, I would welcome either, honestly, at this point, either of the two, uh, Montgomery or Snell. I think knowing that, you know, you got Garrett Cole, you're not expecting them to have, you know, be the, the starter on day one, I think makes me want them even more. Um, <clears throat> but short-term deals, I mean, I, we're not looking to, you know, I don't know what Snell is necessarily looking for. Apparently, I hear he's got an offer from the Yankees. Others say that they took the offer off, and this is just a bunch of nonsense, what we hear the last few days. I don't, you never know what to believe. Kind of weird. I'm, like, not weirded out, but I think it's weird that, like, pitchers and catchers reported last week. They still haven't signed. Like, are you – at what point do you, like, just be like, look, like, a one-year deal, two-year deal, just get me on a freaking team so I can get back to normal schedule. But – um. I've been hearing like uh, Montgomery's fiance or girlfriend got a job in Boston. So, you know, if, if they grab him, I think you got to go get Snell. I mean, you can't, whatever it is, but I would like Snell. I think it'd be cool to have two Cy Young winners from the same year on the same team backing each other up. I think that is the better move for the Yankees, but one of them I think only helps. Yeah. Montgomery's wife is a, a medical student. I think, and she's doing her um, her residency or something like that in Boston. So he's in Boston. The, the 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 narrative now is he's just sitting in Boston, just waiting. Red Sox, where, where's my deal? Where's my where's my offer? Where's my offer? And the the Red Sox just like, no, we don't want you. We only want <laughs> Nick Pavetta. Uh, we, we want Nick Pavetta and Cutter Crawford at the top. Hey, Nick Pavetta is going to be a free agent after this year, or so. Yeah, that's true. There's also he's, that. He's, he might be too rich for their blood uh, <laughs> next season. They might have to go even cheaper. But... Hey, if he pitches like he did down the stretch last year, <laughs> he might be looking at Montgomery money. <laughs> that uh, well, that's free agency for you. And uh, the uh, 
the Yankees with um, Cole, Snell, uh, Radone, um, and I, Strowman, uh, Cortez, and uh, Schmidt. Like that would be five guys who have all had, who are have all had really really good stretches in the very recent uh, past. Uh, that, that that could be one scary rotation, but they they may need Snell for they need, they may need to get Snell anyway for insurance for when Cole when Cole tears his UCL. I, I I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's probably going to happen. Uh, so anyway, uh, but I know we've got a Mike's got to go soon, so we'll we'll do our last segment here. Uh, inside the numbers, we'll try to do it pretty quickly, and we'll let Mike go first. So. Inside the numbers is uh, generally about money, and we've got the Red Sox have been talking extension lately with Brian Bayo. Uh, Bayo came out uh, recently and said that he's been actively engaged in, ta- in uh, extension talks, and so the Red Sox are actually may actually be looking to pay somebody. Of course, it's somebody that's four years away from arbitration and will not be needing uh, uh, probably even a well. Yeah, definitely a six-figure contract, but probably very low six figures. Anyway, uh, we'll let Mike go first here. Since Brian Bayo, uh, we're talking extension about Brian Bayo, who is not hitting free agency for four years. Uh, how about we talk a little extension for Juan Soto, who is due to hit free agency after this season, who is probably due to get a historic contract. And the Yankees gave up some pitching prospects and Michael King, who was a very valued pitcher in their organization to get him uh, for this one, for this one year. So you got to assume that the Yankees are thinking about extending him. Mike, if you had uh, Brian, not Brian Cashman's checkbook, if you had Hal Stein, Hal Steinbrenner's checkbook, what would you offer Juan Soto as an extension? Not just your starting point. What What's the, What's what's the furthest you'd be willing to go uh, for Juan Soto? Um, I mean, I I already know he's going to get six hundred million. I I it's it's done. Like he turned down that contract for four was it four hundred four fifty from the Nationals a couple years ago. He's only gotten better, and he's and he's, this is a contract year, so I know he's, he's all he's thinking about is money uh and not and rightfully so he deserves it, but he's probably going to get fourteen fifteen years because of his age. Uh, 15 years, 600 millions, 40, 40 a year, 40 a year, which is what judge is getting. So, um, I don't know. I, I mean, if you, it's hard to say, I would like to see him have the best time of his life this year, really fall in love with the city and his teammates and take maybe a little discount. I don't think it's going to happen, but I mean, I, I think he's going to get 600 million easily, especially after what Shohei just did. Um, and I'm hoping the Yankees pull a LA Dodgers and maybe give them that, you know, we'll give you, we'll give you most of it now, other of it when you're 40 years old. So something. 600 million. So it was 15 years, 600 million. Is that what you said? Yeah. It's 40 a year. 40 a year. Okay. Jesus. I I can't believe we're in this. We're in this era. We're talking where does where does it stop? Like where, where at what point does someone just say like, hey, we can't only just sign one player? Yeah, the only there's the only thing I'll I, I'll say 
though, in terms of, like, so, for example, everyone was like, oh, Otani got 700 million. Not, like, yeah, but not really, because, like, the current day value of that deal, Otani's deal, I think is, like, 446 million, I think. Because they calculate the current day value based on projected inflation. I'm not. We're not. We're not doing this. We're not doing this, Derek. I'm just saying. You always try to slip. (laughs) Glavin, it's not really seven hundred million dollars. It's not seventy million dollars a year. They're paying him two million dollars and then deferring. Well, I'm saying that because six hundred millions like could be realistic for Soto if he does do deferments. That's what I'm saying. If yeah, they, if he said, be. "Give me thirty million a year and then defer ten million a year till I'm like forty or fifty, very well could happen. I don't disagree with that. I think it is realistic. I think, and I was my, I'm kind of embarrassed by the numbers that I came up with <laughs> in response to that because now I'm thinking about it. Like, yeah, that was not right, what I originally said was twelve years. Four hundred and fifty-six million, which would be thirty-eight million a year, and now I'm kind of embarrassed because I'm like, yeah, he, that's right. He already turned down four hundred and forty million uh, last year, or the year before, or whenever that is. So I'm amending mine to thirteen years at forty-five million dollars a year, which would be five hundred and eighty-five million dollars. Because forty-five a year sounds pretty reasonable. Now, if Judge is making forty, Judge is what thirty-one. You know, Scherzer was getting 42.5 or whatever. Verlander was getting 42. whatever Scherzer was getting. So that does make sense. So 13 years, $45 million a year. Yeah, that's where I'm at, $585 million. Derek, Soto also you... doesn't turn 26 until October. There's also that, which is stupid. I know. he's. It's incredible how good he's gotten so quickly and that the Yankees have him. Uh, Derek, did you come up with, uh, a contract, a contract offer for Soto? I mean, off the top of my head, I'd probably aim for like 14 years and probably I'd, I'd aim for probably a present day value of probably around like the 425 ish mark, 430 mark, just slightly below Otani, but I think you'd get more in real money. So it probably, in total, it'd probably be like 14, like five. 570 somewhere in that range you know it's well you you want proof that the free agency is totally bat poop crazy the san diego padres second baseman is signed for 10 more years <laughs> as 10 10 more years at what uh 25 or whatever so he had one year at shortstop I'm like yeah we're gonna move you to second base why because Everybody else on the team plays shortstop, so there's no room for you. And he's the worst one out of them defensively. The worst <laughs> defensive one. All in all, kids, if you're listening to this, practice baseball. Go practice. Play shortstop and you'll sign for the Padres. <laughs> That's uh, why they traded Soto. So we're going to go down from that high, high number to a much lower number because now we're going to talk about Brian Bayo. Uh, being courted by the Red Sox to sign early, apparently. So let's uh, let's take our stab, at least me and Derek anyway, uh, our stab at what we think Brian Bayo's worth. So I think he's on a good trajectory to potentially be be an ace pitcher. I would not say that's that's definite, but I definitely see him being probably a number two starter if his uh, progression continues at the same rate that it's been at. Um, I would, I think he is worth, 
uh, at I would I would be willing to pay him right now eight years, one hundred and fifty million dollars. That's eighteen point seven five million a year, which would really be a bargain by two thousand twenty six if his progression continues at what it's been so far in his career. Um, Derek, what what would you uh, be willing to give Bayo to extend him right now? It's, first of all, I think that's way too high when you consider the fact that Bayo's got he still has a renewal year and he still has ARB years and whatnot and whatnot. Um, so he's all got, still have all those years left that he's going to still be that he's projected to be cheap. Um, now, baseball trade values they added this new thing on the during the offseason. You have to pay for it. I'm not paying for it, but someone posted it on Twitter. What a Brian Bayo extension would look like in terms of market value. What it would probably what it would likely fall around in terms of value for over an eight-year deal. They said that a baseball trade value says it'd be about oh. $95.2 million over for an eight-year deal. You just lost Derek. I'm going to go a little bit away from that, but stay in that kind of stay in that ballpark. I'm going to go uh, nine years for $125 million with the potential to raise to 10 years, one sixty. Okay, so you say that's way too – mine was way too high. I just think with the way – numbers are getting now for pit, especially what pitchers are looking for i just feel like if they really like this guy if they're willing to offer him an extension and that he said it's close it he was asked if it's close he said yeah master menos he wasn't saying like casa said like yeah it wasn't an, it was nothing that blew my skirt up but he, he you know bayo said they were getting pretty close i just feel like with what they value at starting pitchers at now, I mean, the Red Sox, like how picky they are, if they're willing to offer him a long-term extension, it's not a Garrett Whitlock kind of extension. It's that they're willing to pay this guy what he think he'll be worth. And when you think about it, $18.75 million for a starting pitcher really isn't much. But you also have to like scale it though too, because remember the first year he might only be making $2 million on the first year. They're $1 million the first year of the deal. So like, I know AV wise in terms of uh, CBT threshold, it'd be the same throughout. Um, but in terms of how much they pay him through it and how it would be staggered, that's why I said like when you think about like on the back end, I could see Bayo making like twenty five million a year on the back end, but on the front end, it's going to be a lot cheaper. That's why like the one his, I I think I don't think it would need to be eight years one fifty. Basically, what I'm saying, not that it's like totally outrageous, but I just don't think it would need to be that high. I think if it's an eight years, I could see it being more like a hundred million. Mike. What does a Yankee fan think Brian Bayo's worth? Uh, I, I might be embarrassed now because I I was trying to compare other contract extensions. Um, one I found that I liked um, was Cincinnati's Hunter Green. He got a six-year, $53 million extension, which is a little shorter, but um, I don't watch the Red Sox every day like you guys, so you tell me maybe I'm undervaluing. I didn't know that he was like a home run already, like – you guys want him for the long haul. I thought it was kind of still like showing some flashes. Let's see it another, especially like, I think Derek said he's got at least two years before he has to sign anything. And then 2028 is, is when I think he is when, or, or uh, like he's, he's a free agent, right? After so, 2028. So, I mean, you got time. What, what's, if you're not signing pitchers now, why, you know what? I mean, I get, you want to keep the kid happy, but I don't know. Um, I think I think if I was a Red Sox player, I'd want them to spend more money on a player you don't have rather than this kid yet. But again, um, 
you guys probably know more than me. If, if he's better than six and fifty three, by all means. I think that's about real, somewhat realistic if they were to do like a six year deal. I think maybe it'd be a little bit higher just because like guys don't like being paid less than other guys, so maybe they try and get like six for fifty five or six for sixty. But I think that's not like a bad range for a six year deal, considering because he's only got one full year of control of like a service time. Yeah, I just I I just love his his profile, his pitch mix. I think he's going to be very good. I think last year at the beginning of the year, given their pitching issues that they had and their uh, their starting rotation depth, he was their lack of starting rotation depth. He was tailoring his game to pitch to contact more. And he was doing, he did really well with it too. It was like, all right, I'm not going to go for strikeouts. I'm going to pitch to contact. I'm going to get outs, get ground outs, pop outs, fly outs, stuff like that. I'm not going to focus on striking out people because the more strikeouts you have, the the more pitches you have to throw and you don't get as deep into games. Wow. That's just a really mature approach. And the fact that he can do that just and be, and do well, really said something to me. I mean, some people say he tapered off at the end of last year, but it was really, other than day games, he did really well. He can't pitch during the day. He, he's got to go to bed earlier or something. Uh, but, the yeah, I, I think... Add, I do want to add real quickly to the whole thing of defense. Trevor Story with the defense, instead of Kike Hernandez at shortstop, if he's going to pitch to contract, to contact, that's a much better guy to have at shortstop with Trevor Story than Kike Hernandez. So I just want to throw that in there too real quick. Yeah. Yeah, that too. And I, 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 I realize my number is pretty damn high uh, for a guy that they still have four years of control left on. But I'm, I, I just really like him. And I think I'm probably clinging on to the hope that he's going to be an ace. 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 So if they sign him like an ace, maybe it'll just happen. Uh, but I do like what I've seen from him so far. Uh, Pat Pat is the only person in the world. He's been disappointed with Bayo. He's like in his in Bayo's first full year at the end of it. He's like, I don't know. When's he going to, he's supposed to be an ace. When's he going to start pitching like an ace? Well, like, yeah, not yet, but <laughs> I do think it'll happen. I also, I want to add real quick. He has five years of team control left, not four. He's got five years left. Five years left. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> even, exactly. Even but yeah, the, it's it's they're gonna keep them. It'll be cheap early on. It definitely will raise, but AAV one, I it it makes too much sense because for Bayo, if something happens drastically, he's got his money secured, right? But for the Red Sox, if you think Bayo is what he's, if you think Bayo's solid, I think at worst Bayo's probably like Stroman territory at worst, and Stroman just got what two years, thirty seven million. So like if you're if you if it's AAV is you know like I said if the you know not if I said like nine one twenty five. If it's like that, like even on the back end, if you pay him thirty million for one what, the last year, like that's still not bad because you got to think inflation too. Two years, thirty-seven. That's eighteen million right there. So, all right. Well, we'll wrap it up. Uh, thanks for hanging with us, Mike. I know you got to go. Uh, it's getting late in Ohio, and uh, we are going to wrap it up here. Uh, make sure you're checking out bleacherbrawls.com. I just put out a uh, column. Uh, my uh, my projected Red Sox lineup, which is probably very different from Alex Cora's Red Sox lineup, that went up on Tuesday. Make sure you uh, give that a look. Uh, Derek is going to resume his uh, his uh, positional. His I think shortstops would be next, right? I don't know if that's coming this week or next week. I think third baseman might be next. I'm not sure. I'll try. Okay. 
or base might become an X, but um, look for that uh, coming in the in the next few days on BleacherBrawls.com, his top 10 uh, MLB third baseman as of this moment in time. Uh, and with that, uh, we are going to sign off. Uh, make sure you tune in to that farce of a weekend show on Monday morning, see what other lies they can cook up for me, and tune in back here uh, next Thursday morning uh, for hopefully some good news from the Red Sox side and some bad news from the Yankees side for once this offseason. So for Derek and Mike, I am Luke, and we will see you next time. Uh, Thanks for joining us. All right, folks, that's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.